This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. So our need for social networks that we thought was something that we could leave in the past, mm-hmm. now we know that, that how important that is to a community and knowing who the people are in a community who can get information out quickly to people and and how do we get make sure that the, the, the older lady that lives down the street from me who's in the exact same boat that you are, her kids come every week and help her. Mm-hmm. How do we as neighbors make sure that she's okay and we can't mm-hmm. rely on our kids to do that? We got to keep a lookout for like, hey, she hasn't picked up the mail in a couple of days. Right. We need to go knock on the door and just say, you know, leave a note and tell her like, you know, we're just yeah. checking on you. That kind of, that kind of thing. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. Welcome to another episode of Crossing Division. As you will recall, this year, Crossing Division partnered with Downtown On The Go for their Friday forums. We um, posted recordings of each Friday forum, and then we had a podcast afterwards that was on a, on a sort of a refrain on the topic of the Friday forums. Well, unfortunately, uh, the Friday forum for March was canceled due to our uh, COVID-19 pandemic and um, we're not going to be able to reschedule that. So what we thought we would do today is uh, get together and kind of do a review of those downtown on the go Friday forums and talk about our um, emphasis this year on aging and um, livable communities. So first, before we get started, I'd like to do a big thanks on behalf of downtown on the go. Uh, Downtown on the go would like to thank Parametrics for sponsoring the forum from March, and and we'll say today's forum in lieu of that forum in March, Tacoma Arts Live for supporting the forums in 2020, and Channel 253 for being this year's media sponsor. You'll hear more about Channel 253 after the break. So today, I am really delighted to have uh, two guests with us, Tanisha Jumpers with the City of Tacoma and Christina Clem with AARP. And Tanisha, we'll start with you. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do at the city? Hi, um, good to be with you today. Um, I am the Director of Strategy, Engagement, and Communications for the City of Tacoma. And so I um, work with the Tacoma 2025, and that's really where the partnership with Downtown on the Go comes from. Um, We have our our goals uh, set forth in 2025 and Downtown on the Go is one of our main partners in doing that work. Um, but I also uh, run our communications department, so uh, TV, uh, TV 12, and all of the media requests that people get out in, in, from the city of Tacoma. My name's on it somewhere. Um, and, uh, and then I, I work on um, community engagement efforts and how do we, um, one of the big goals in 2025 is to have people feel like the, um, that we are partners um, mm-hmm. in creating the community that we want. And so um, really enhancing some of the city's um, steps towards better community engagement and making engagement more of a two-way street, not just the city pushing out information, but actually how we gather information, how we really co-create some solutions with our community. So That's great. Well, I think you did a wonderful job as the forum moderator for the Downtown On The Go forums. I think that they were a very you know, a very thoughtful discussion. And part of that was you kind of keeping things rolling and 
handling the questions. So Thank I appreciate all of your efforts in that. Thank you. And Christina Clem, tell us a little bit about your uh, activities at AARP. Sure, Evelyn. Thanks so much for um, inviting us on and uh, good to hang out with Tanisha again. I got to go to one of the forums, um, mm -hmm. but have listened to all of them. I work for the AARP Washington uh, State Office. I do kind of like Tanisha said, many hats, a uh, little communications, little advocacy, some uh, community outreach. And then um, in the age-friendly space, uh, AARP is the um, U.S. affiliate for the World Health Organization's uh, National Association of Age-Friendly Communities, of which AARP um, began that process in uh, 2012. And um, we're over 400 jurisdictions that have uh, joined now, and we're so happy to welcome the city of Tacoma as the first official city to join nationwide in the year 2020. So I thought that was That's pretty awesome. special. Um, that is good. Yeah, good job. Um, <laughs> so uh, just really excited to talk about, uh, you know, some of the background of uh, Age Friendly, some of the um, priorities and, you know, how we can um, approach this to make solutions so everyone is able to uh, live how they want as they age. Good. Well, let's start with that. So this year, the Downtown On The Go forums have focused on the idea of an age-friendly city or an age-friendly community. And uh, why don't you tell us, Christina, a little bit about what is that concept? And I know there's a you know worldwide emphasis on looking at how communities both handle aging and what makes for a good community. But uh, tell us a little bit about the background on this idea. Sure. So, um, as I said, it began with the World Health Organization. It was a global um, effort that began in uh, 2009. And as communities were approached on a worldwide basis, it really became apparent, particularly with the aging population, that our jurisdictions and our communities really weren't set up to handle some of the special needs and special accommodations uh, for our jurisdictions to accommodate our older um, adults. And, and so um, they spread this program around. They approached AARP uh, to be a part of this process because we do have an office in every single state. And so uh, when a community does um, go to join um, and apply to be a part of the um, age-friendly communities program, what they are saying to their uh, residents is that they're making a, a definite commitment in order to take what is usually a five-year process to um, review housing, transportation, social inclusion, outdoor spaces, what we call these eight domains of livability, um, checking to see what the community already has, as uh, need and they want sometimes those what they need and want is already there um, and then cities can go through review some of their policies and put together an action plan usually happens in the first couple of years of how they want to um, roll out some 
um, acti activities and actions in order to make the, the city a more livable place. And so um, Tacoma has already done some really wonderful work. They've already been featured before even joining um, the network of age-friendly communities, uh, some of the downtown revitalization, the, the Lincoln District, some of the arts programs have already been featured in a couple of booklets that AARP puts together about um, what some mayors have been doing in order to make their cities um, more livable. And then AARP provides really a framework that cities can access. We have tons of resources online on how to approach things like improving housing, improving transportation, how to have conversations with your community, um, and then make ourselves available um, you know, have access to experts in our national office and really walk along and do some consulting um, with cities to, to help them uh, realize their ideas and dreams and make their action plans come to life. That sounds great. Well, Tanisha, tell me a little bit about, you know, what Tacoma has been doing. And it sounds like this, as you mentioned early on, you know, has a nice kind of mesh with the Tacoma 2025 focus. Mm -hmm. So um, I think one of the things that um, when uh, Mayor Woodard first got into office, she was already really concerned about senior housing um, mm -hmm. based on some of the situations she had had within her church and with her own mother. She's kind of talked about publicly. And so um, as we started looking at what those big indicators were for 2025 around education, around um, uh, livability, um, and livability is the big one where a lot of the senior stuff comes into to health and wellness, um, engagement, and um, why did my mind just go blank on the last one? Um, it'll come to me. Um, uh, economy uh, and workforce. Economy okay. and workforce. So, so transportation and housing both fall under livability and access mm. and proximity to goods and services. And as we started just like working through those indicators and kind of what that meant, we started to realize that for certain populations, all of those things were just a little bit harder. And I think mm -hmm. it's really interesting because going into this um, this pandemic, um, all of those things have been exacerbated, right? And I know we'll mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit more later on, but like it's all like coming super into focus that like the way that Tacoma has kind of been laid out as a city, where things are and where things aren't make it mm -hmm. exponentially harder for some people to be able to grow older in the in the place where they were, <laughs> where they want to. Um, just some yeah. neighborhoods are not built for that. Some neighborhoods don't have sidewalks. So, and and mm -hmm. so as we kind of started to do some of the bigger things, um, started to look like, look a little more specifically at neighborhoods and sectors and specific places and not look globally and not do the kind of, we've got money, we're gonna split it five ways yeah. between five yeah. sectors. Started really focusing more on equity. You start to see where your inequities are. And mm -hmm. um, so we'd already started doing the work. And then when Councilman, um, Councilmember Hunter came on, she really started to ask a lot of questions specifically about seniors. Like, mm -hmm. well, how is that going to affect seniors? Or how is that going to hurt seniors? Or how is that going to help seniors? And so we started then looking at our indicators a little more closely to say, okay, so here's people of color, here's low income, mm -hmm. here's seniors. And if you're the trifecta of all three of those things, mm -hmm. um, you know, how, how is your life, your, their quality of life and, and your livability uh, more impacted? And so um, I think like 
you know, just thinking about simple things of like, where do you put a bench? How far away do you put benches in an area that you Mm -hmm. say you want people to walk in? Well, you've got to make it walkable. Um, And like I said, then our partnerships with places like Downtown on the Go and some other places have helped us to see, oh, wait, this is a problem. Mm -hmm. We're designing it for this reason, but we weren't. Um, Another person that's been pretty key to these conversations has been Dr. Medeiros at UWT. Um, Because as we've been talking about creating a family-friendly community, part of making a family-friendly community is making sure that grandparents and people um, that are the support to the family can also stay in the community. If if grandma has to live way, way far out, then that impedes everybody's ability to have that family cohesive relationship that you might have in some of the older cities in the Midwest Mm -hmm. or on Mm -hmm. the East coast where like a whole family can live in a couple blocks from each other. Well, let's start off by talking about that because I think that's a really important point. Uh, In January, the first forum was focused on aging in place and particularly an overview of housing challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I took away from the January forum is just that, that, you know, so, I mean, I, I'll, I'll be real frank. So here's the problem in Tacoma in particularly, as we make our city, you know, I'll say it this way, um, as we make our city more desirable, as we invest more in our infrastructure, improve our transit, improve our streets, make our schools, these beautiful world-class institutions, um, you know what? the property values go up mm-hmm. and uh, it becomes less affordable in Tacoma. Tacoma is no longer um, a sort of working class, affordable place to live. And so what do you do about that when you're on a fixed income? You know, what are some of the options that you have? And while we'd like to see more public investment in housing assistance, because frankly, the government needs to be involved in this solution, um, we're not seeing much of that right now. So what options do we have? And one of the things that one of our speakers of the forum talked about was um, kind of multi-generational living, which she was doing just because it was sheer necessity. But I honestly think that that might be the, the answer in some places and that it could be something that we plan for instead of it happening, mm-hmm. you know, by emergency or necessity. But what were your thoughts on housing? I'll start with you, Tanisha. Um, so I think it's interesting because, uh, so one, you know, one of my other hats mm-hmm. is um, managing the affordable housing action strategy. Mm-hmm. And so as we were going through that process and trying to figure out um, what were some of the issues that were really impacting affordability, mm-hmm. um, one of the big things is Tacoma kind of developed like a big suburb even though we're a city. And so we don't have the same type of housing choices you would have in other cities. And 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 because of that, it does create just the 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 problem that you were talking about. We don't have a lot of duplexes and uh, townhouses and condominium living that other cities that would have the same kind of density that we have. Mm-hmm. And as you increase density, you have this natural tension between the people who want single family home neighborhoods yeah. And people who want to be able to like, I just want a condo. I just want a little townhouse. Right. I just want a little brownstone, right. you know? Um, so you have those types of issues. And then you also have, um, as Tacoma, it's like you've, ha- you've got a, um, certain generations that want different kinds of housing. So you've got mm-hmm. younger people who have more debt um, mm-hmm. and um, don't want a 3,000 square foot house. So you've yeah. got this like, there's, it's basically comes down to a zoning issue. And I think that's mm-hmm. what one of the panelists had talked about a lot. It's like, we've got to start 
being more creative and more open about our zoning. And Mm -hmm. which means that some people are going to have to let go of their idea of the old Tacoma and all single family neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and younger people are going to have to be a little patient because we're not going to become this big, like metropolis overnight. And I don't think a lot of people in Tacoma want to be, and that's okay too. But there is something in the middle that, you know, um, if you go back to like the Midwest and places like Chicago, they took these big houses and turned them into duplexes. They took these large houses Mm -hmm. and made them into four, which allows you to have, you know, a house where maybe grandma lives downstairs and everybody else lives upstairs. And, And then you can stay there for longer and you can manage you don't have to manage the house and, and all of that. So mm-hmm. it's like, I think we have to get to the point where we're just being a little more creative about it. And mm-hmm. there's some ways that we can incentivize it, but we also, you know, through our accessory dwelling program that we created mm-hmm. um, about a year and a half ago, um, you know, how do we use things like that to create the opportunity to have multiple families living on the same property or to create that multi-generational housing where you, um, Dr. Medeiros talks a lot about um, when you isolate seniors, you actually impact their quality of life in a in a bad way, and and you can you know diminish their longevity by doing that. Like what's mm-hmm. good for eight year old is good for eighty year old. I think someone said that in that forum, yeah. and I've heard yeah. that before. And I think that's the way we have to think about our community. We don't want to create a community where it's only good to live in Tacoma when you're single and young and you don't have any kids. And as soon as you get single and, and I mean, as soon as you find a a mate and want to have kids or you're ready to settle down and buy a house, now you have to go move somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You want people to kind of experience all the different facets of their life right in Tacoma, which means you have to have more options. Mm -hmm. And Christina, what are some of the things that AARP has been looking at in terms of housing and especially as, um, people sort of start aging into a different type of housing need. Yeah, I mean, um, really hitting home with Tanisha said is variety, variety, variety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, 77% of our members over 50 want to be able to age in their community. I, I, you know, it's interesting that um, statistic has changed over the last four, four or five years where it used to be they wanted to age in their own home. And I mm-hmm. think that um, a lot of older adults have started to realize that that just isn't always going to be the case. Um, you know, yeah. one of the challenges with our housing stock, um, particularly as, you know, people are increasingly stranded in suburbia, is mm-hmm. those houses were built um, like with the average age of 35 in mind, they weren't mm-hmm. built to be houses that we could age in for our entire lives. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the accessory dwelling unit, you know, which was um, had the great after podcast on that, you know, that is and, and um, accessory, um, accessory dwelling units are a huge way that um, we can increase density of housing without doing a major change uh, really mm-hmm. to, um, to an existing community. Um, and so that is one thing that AARP has been working on in many states and in many juris- jurisdictions is um, passing policies to really make that more affordable where, you know, the utility connection fees aren't exorbitant because they Mm -hmm. aren't necessarily, you know, um, 
putting more demands on the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing is um, zoning. You know, that is a really big thing. There's this um, deep rooted love in a only single family community, um, single family home community. And that has been the case for decades. Um, And so, you know, the ability to rezone so you could have different types of housing. So, you know, we've, there's been this moniker called the missing middle housing to where, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you want to be able to have, you know, within the same few blocks, you want like a single family home, you want to be able to have multifamily home, um, things I could do for multi-generational, you know, cottage courtyards aren't built anymore, duplexes, Mm -hmm. you know, aren't built anymore, things that, you know, are smaller that might naturally be a little bit more affordable. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, really educating, we do a lot of, um, Uh, talks within uh, the community. We bring together um, kind of topical conferences about, um, you know, housing and and, uh, best practices that some cities have been able to do. I think, you know, one of the challenges when it comes to housing stock is, you know, just this whole way of how it has completely changed from, Mm -hmm you know, what used to be built. People don't want to buy 3,000 square foot homes anymore. I would love to have an 1,000 square foot with a small back patio, you know, a condo, um, a duplex, even older adults, you know, it's interesting. There are are a lot of things that are different about um, the younger generation and older generation, but where they do are are, um, converging right now is they want the same kind of housing. So you often have younger adults and older adults who are downsizing, downsizing, competing for those condos and some of the smaller Mm -hmm. spaces because they're not being built anymore. Um, So trying to encourage that. Another thing that we've really been pushing on, um, because it can be very exorbitant um, to modify an existing house in order for it to become a easier to navigate. And we're really trying to work with builders when they're initially building housing stock to put things in there that would accommodate people as they age. You know, the universal design principle, and I love the 880, it's uh, Gil Penalosa, it's kind of the Canadian version um, of what we're doing here is the 880 principle. So if you're building a house where a, a mom with a newborn can like walk in and, and open things with elbows and, you know, be mm-hmm. able to put things down, then it's the same um, with an 80 year old who might have, you know, some mobility challenges and, and able to, mm-hmm. you know, rest and adapt, um, you know, putting blocks in the walls so you could put grab bars in over the ages. So there are so many different ways to um, approach housing solutions. The will has to be there. And that is Mm -hmm. what um, I love particularly about the age-friendly communities program is the cities and jurisdictions are expressing the will. And then there are so many people that are behind this effort to come forward with ideas and Mm -hmm. uh, solutions. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's touch briefly on the second forum that we had in February, and that was uh, moving forward with an emphasis on 
transportation and mobility issues. Uh, and we heard a lot about not only sort of uh, the fact that our um, car dependence has really driven some community design that that is less friendly once you are either no longer driving or, or you don't want to drive long distances. Um, but we also heard about the problem of having well-maintained sidewalks. Yep. And I know in Tacoma, actually our sidewalks are, are downtown are, are in reasonably good shape, but there's an area along Broadway um, where I've had uh, two uh, women who are a little bit old, not really, they're my age, they're in their 50s, um, trip over sidewalk um, bulges and roots. And so that's just sort of a continuing um, issue is sort of uh, maintaining our, our spaces in a way that uh, people can safely navigate. Mm -hmm. But what kind of things, Tanisha, did you glean from, from that forum or, or from your other work on these issues? So I think what's really interesting about that, it like just what you were saying about like maintaining infrastructure long-term mm -hmm. or thinking about it, it's like we get in these cycles of, you know, there's times where we're doing really good as a city and we have lots right. of money. We could take on these big projects. And then we have times like right now where mm -hmm. this pandemic is like, you know, really impacting our budget. It's going to impact what we're going to be able to do in the next biennium and probably the biennium mm -hmm. after that. And we have to make really difficult decisions. And those kinds of thoughtful long-term decisions about how we're going to take care of a sidewalk for 30 years falls off the map. And, yeah. and, and those things are really costly. And I don't think people understand that too. They're just like, just go mm -hmm. fix the sidewalk. And it's like, right. well, there's a lot of sidewalks and there's places that don't even have sidewalks yet. And mm -hmm. so like when we talk about things like where we're going to do to like do complete streets, are we going to do complete streets or are we going to just fix the potholes in the streets? Because that's what people mm -hmm. complain about. We're always mm -hmm. having to pick either or because there's never enough money to do all of it. Yeah. And I think what that forum kind of brought for me was this idea that um, sometimes we're making the decision based on like, we've got $5 and we've got mm -hmm. $20 worth of things that need to be done, but there are real ramifications for real people. And I, and, and how you kind of fix those things. I, I'm not, a hundred percent sure because again we weren't built we, we didn't develop in a way that makes it an easy fix now at this juncture mm -hmm. like how how would you how would you fix that um how would you I mean and again this this pandemic when you're saying okay people have to stay at home and we want people to go to their right. local grocery stores and we want you to walk around your neighborhood mm -hmm. but you know um then you start realizing well there's a lot of places that don't have a pharmacy in their mm -hmm. neighborhood. And we've had to start, you know, we've got seniors picking up meals. We've got seniors. Um, we're trying to figure out how to deliver um, prescriptions to, excuse me, to mm, seniors yeah. um, because they can't get to these places. Um, the buses are, you know, um, lower their, you know, their routes. And it's not, um, there's people who don't feel comfortable in the pandemic getting on the bus. And that was mm -hmm. one of their only ways to, to, transport yeah. so it's like again like this this situation has like all the things we already were on our radar it's like man that's something we need to be addressing it's been highlighted by this situation at the same mm -hmm. time that most of our ability to address it right now is under serious um 
I don't even know the word for it. <laughs> we well, really I don't know. Gonna, it's, 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 I don't know. know. And, and again, yeah. I think there's like this lack of understanding um, from people. Uh, like I happen to be a government, always wanted to work in politics and, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of people who didn't pay attention in civics class and mm-hmm. <laughs> don't understand um, all the ways these things are are paid for and and something mm-hmm. and something like police fire roads that that's a huge huge portion of our city's budget and it's all paid from sales tax and bno tax and things that people sometimes don't want to pay um, right. <laughs> that we need in a way that's, um, like I said, just being highlighted in a, in a different way right now. And I, I don't yeah. know exactly the answer to that, but I do think that just that conversation and anybody who didn't listen to that conversation, just to hear like how hard some very simple things or having to take a whole day to get mm-hmm. to the doctor and, mm-hmm. and then to have to get to the doctor, then to get to your prescription and then to get back home and then still have to walk three extra blocks just so you can cross the road like that's that's a lot for anybody but yeah. it goes back to the 8 and 80 rule like it's also a lot for a young mom with a kid yeah. to do that yeah. same thing and so as a community like what kind of community do we want to be and 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 what do we want what's our priority when it comes yeah. to those kind of things and i think that's just a conversation we're just beginning to have not a conversation we've landed um, anywhere mm-hmm. on, but I think just bringing up age friendly and um, and us making a commitment to look at all of that, it, it's going to mm-hmm. make us make some decisions that maybe are different than decisions we would have made mm-hmm. five years ago, ten years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And Christina, what about you? What uh, thoughts do you have on the idea of you know um, looking at transportation issues with regard to? Um, you know, age-friendly communities. Yeah, um, you know, it's, I really feel for the cities right now. Tanisha is right. This is going to be tough moving forward, um, knowing that the city's going to have some less money to work with. Um, you know, one of the realities of the situation, whether we're in this current situation, um, pandemic craziness, um or, you know, if a city is just regularly going through it, there's no way that you can fix everything at once. And mm-hmm. it really is so important to um, prioritize, you know, what is, you know, you know, really some like short-term, long-term, mid-term goals. Mm-hmm. It's like, what can you accomplish right now? Um, so, you know, as Tanisha said, there are tons of challenges um, for older adults um, once they want to, you know, give up their car keys. And um, the positive thing about this is, for the most part, older adults are very cognizant and um, self-regulate quite well as they mm-hmm. become, you know, as they get older and with their driving. And so they really are doing their part um, to figure out when it's time for them to give up the keys and, and, you know, when it's good to drive and, and not. Um, but then, you know, I, I said this earlier, this whole thing of stranded in suburbia, um, once they do give up their keys, um, you know, even, you know, suburbia doesn't typically have the kind of, uh, bus routes, 
public transportation that you would in a more, you know, as you get closer to the downtown core, um, the times that the buses run are often commuter based. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that was mentioned um, mm-hmm. at the at the forum. You know, they're not necessarily based on well, I've got a ten thirty doctor's appointment. Exactly, mm-hmm. they're all the routes are for like got to get to work, got to get home from work. So, you know, one of the things um, that can be done is you know maybe alternating some of the route times or, or changing some of the schedules. Um, uh, and uh, then also in this whole transportation um, space and on a lot of our communities, recognizing that there are a lot of challenges in getting people around, um, a lot of community um, organizations really come together to pick up some of the gaps. And so, you know, we often talk about um, like being within a 10 minute walk or a quarter mile walk from, um, you know, a, a bus stop. And um, that's just not really the case in um, suburbia. And so there are a lot of um, organizations, you know, a lot of faith-based organizations. We have like Catholic Community Services um, did a, does a lot of work. Uh, in Tacoma to try and get people safely from one place uh, to another. Um, I think another thing that is challenging um, for people with mobility issues is is some kind of door-to-door assistance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it can be hard for some mobility challenges to get from the front door to the sidewalk to get into the car. I mean, we're in this wonderful space now where we do have, um, you know, Uber and Lyft. Mm -hmm. And so we do have more access uh, to ways to get around, but there's still these little barriers, you know, as um, Tanisha had said in certain contexts or people aren't really thinking of all the steps that it Mm -hmm. takes in order to get from, from one place to another. Um, you know, we've had some communities that when they're tackling uh, some of their transit planning, um, they've brought on gerontologists to uh, mm. consult. Um, and also kind of in this uh, vein of understanding how the money gets spent, you know, fire department, police safety is, you know, part of the age-friendly community um, desire is that older adults are really getting um, a chance to be more involved in the process and the decision making. And so, um, you know, having them be on some kind of, um, commission or, um, inviting them to the coalition stakeholders, um, making sure that we're asking them what their needs are and that we're planning, um, something that they really want. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was one thing that was, um, uh, brought up, um, Councilmember Hunter had mentioned it in the last forum of being inclusive. You know, we're we uh, many jurisdictions um, haven't done a great job of bringing older adults to the table and making sure that the decisions that are being made that will impact them, they've actually had a chance to say, "Yeah, I want that," or "Yeah, yeah I don't need that." Um, so, you know, the, the transportation. Uh, situation. Um, again, it's, you know, it's multi-pronged and it's might have to be, 
you know, uh, scaled back. It, you know, it might mm-hmm. be that the only thing that, you know, we could focus on in, in Tacoma is maybe the sidewalks, you know, mm-hmm. right now and having um, people have um, an easy, accessible place to, you know, get out and into the open and, you know, make some of the existing stuff a little bit safer. Um, mm-hmm. But just still continuing to have the conversation about how people get around. Great. Well, let's take a break there. And when we come back, uh, we were going to talk a little bit about the forum that they got canceled, which is about public spaces and parks. But I think we're going to minimize that because I think we have a lot more to talk about on sort of how our current uh, pandemic situation is really showing us um, where issues are, and then maybe we can come up with some ideas for, for things that would be helpful in the future, too. Okay. We'll take a short break here. Hi, this is Nate Bowling, host of the Channel 253 podcast Nerd Farmer and proud Alaska Airlines MVP. You know I love Alaska Airlines, but it's not just me. Recently, Condé Nast Traveler named Alaska the best U.S. airline, and this is the second year in a row. So for the last two years, a travel magazine, folks who should know, had given top marks to Alaska Airlines. What do you think put Alaska over the top? In-flight messaging or movies on your phone on select flights? The outstanding customer service? The stellar mileage program where you actually get rewarded for the miles you fly, not just dollars you spend? My vote? The signature fruit and cheese platter and the Northwest craft beers. For your next trip, don't even visit the travel sites. Just skip them and go to alaskaair.com and make your flight with the best U.S. airline. Thank you, Alaska, for your sponsorship of Channel 253 and congratulations. Hey, we're back talking about downtown on the go and um, this year's focus from the Friday forums on uh, age-friendly cities and age-friendly communities. Uh, before we get back into the topic, I just want to do a shout out for Channel 253, which runs these podcasts. If you are not a member of Channel 253, it's a heck of a bargain. It is only $4 a month or $40 a year, and you get all kinds of really um, it's interesting local content, and oftentimes it's content and stories that you just wouldn't get anywhere else. So if you're not a member, I strongly encourage you to consider becoming a Channel 253 member. And now I was just saying before the break, um, the last forum and the forum that we had to cancel because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic, we were focusing on public spaces and parks. And I think we can weave that into our discussion, but I'd really like to move into a discussion of where we are now with our pandemic and some of the things that it's making us realize. And, um, you know, some of the things that I see around me and I, and I happen to just live in a community that has a lot, it's a, over on the west side of Tacoma near um, the Westgate Shopping Center. And so it's a neighborhood. Our house was built in 1968 and, and they were all sort of built in the same time frame because they're all very similar uh, design and all were built on a tract of land. And so a lot of the people around me are people who bought their house as young couples in the ni- mid 1960s. And they're now senior citizens and their kids have grown up and they're living in the house where they raised their families. So I see this every day. And, and, uh, and it's turned out that this is a, a very good community to age in, although that's not anything I would have realized 20 years ago when we bought here. Um, but some of the things that we see, that I see around me are, you know, social distancing and isolation. Uh, families are not able to be together. And a lot of uh, my older neighbors 
were regularly visited by their children and grandchildren to help with things around the house. Um, getting supplies when you're medically vulnerable. You know, if you are in your 80s or 90s, um, nobody's recommending that you go out regularly to the store mm-hmm. um, or do a whole lot. And, and yet you still need to get your medications and your groceries. Um, your mental and physical wellness, you know, how are you able to um, keep an eye on that while you're distanced from all of your regular activities? Um, how do you feel safe and secure in your home? You know, are you, um, do you feel confident that people are going to be paying enough attention and know what's going on so that if you fall, someone will know about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the one that gets me the most is this one. And that is, you know, this um, pandemic, it came up, you know, we knew, we knew there were issues in January uh, in other countries, but it really came on fast, I felt, here in Washington, where, you know, at the beginning of March, we were still sort of life was fairly normal. By March 15th, it was not. Right. Um, it came on fast. And imagine my neighbors across the street who are in their 90s, they don't have a computer. They don't have access to the Internet. They don't do any, you know, they get their news from the TNT if it gets delivered and from the television news. So how do you get information to people when you've got a a gap um, in sort of people's access to technology? So I'm going to try to talk through my trauma. Um, Okay, so tell me, (laughs) tell me your story, Tanisha. Um, So I think um, we have, um, it happened really fast for us too. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, I think a couple of things that that really, so TV 12 has always been this thing. Like you have this TV station. Do people really watch it? Do people yeah. really, you know, and um, so many things that we thought were not essential. We didn't need to pay certain people a big wage. We didn't need to do certain mm-hmm. things. And I'm not going to get too political because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm here in my official capacity. But mm-hmm. we had some ideas and assumptions about what was important and what was not important that yeah. this pandemic has had to make us completely rethink. So having something like TV 12, where we can put all the information on there, and if Mm -hmm. anybody doesn't have access to the internet, but can get TV 12, you can get all the updates. We, we rebroadcast all of the governor's, um, uh, uh, press conferences. Mm-hmm. We are showing, we have two council meetings a week now that we're showing on mm-hmm. TV 12 so that we can try to get people the best information possible. We thought the internet was a thing that some people needed to have. And if you didn't want it, you didn't need it. We now know that it's something everyone needs to have. And we yeah. need to figure out how we make that happen. Um, I think that the other thing that I, you know, if you can be grateful about anything in this pandemic people really have become creative and thoughtful about the Mm -hmm. ways that they do things. And, um, you know, you can see like people will have like green stickers in their window, like we're good and a red sticker, Mm -hmm. like we need something. And, you know, um, I, my best friends are the grocery delivery um, people, like the Instacart Mm -hmm. people, like, I mean, that's so helpful. And I have friends who have neighbors in their, in their neighborhood who they've been like, I'm going to set this up for you. I'm going to get you a tablet and I'm going to show you how to order your groceries and she'll put them on your front door. You don't even have to like have interaction with her. So I think there's some ways in which technology has made this really um, more manageable than it might, Mm -hmm. might have been if we didn't have those technologies, but it also has raised this awareness of like, we have to do a better job getting 
everyone comfortable using technology so that we can yeah. learn so that the next time this happens, we know exactly what to do, exactly how to roll into, mm-hmm. you know, what's, what's next. And so, um, like I said, for me, you know, the, the big issues that have come out of this in terms of communication and what you were saying, Evelyn, is that I don't know how great a job we were doing just communicating to just people who had, you know, access to the internet, you know, Uh the ability to show up at our meetings. I would say, you know, we were doing okay. We were doing, we were trying really hard, but I don't know how well we were doing. Um, Once you layer on people who are not comfortable with technology, people who maybe don't speak English as their first language, Uh people who don't have um, access to the internet, it just gets harder and harder and harder. And now we can't just, you know, by the time we have something printed and ready to send out to someone, it's probably wrong because things Mm -hmm. are changing. Like some days, every 15 minutes, like I probably had three major things happen at the city on on the time I'm on this podcast. So it's like constantly changing. And so our need for social networks that we thought was something that we could leave in the past Mm-hmm. Now we know that that how important that is to a community and knowing who the people are in a community who can get information out quickly to people and and how do we get make sure that the 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 older lady that lives down the street from me who's in the exact same boat that you are her kids come every week and help her mm-hmm. how do we as neighbors make sure that she's okay and we can't mm-hmm. rely on our kids to do that we got to keep a lookout for like hey she hasn't picked up the mail in a couple of days right. we need to go knock on the door and just say you know leave a note and tell her like you know. We're just yeah. checking on you, that kind of, that kind of thing. So it's a lot, but it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, Christina, your thoughts on this? Yeah. You know, it's um, broadband, you know, we're, we're at AARP, you know, we're just like, that's the next advocacy policy thing. Mm-hmm. You know, broadband has been on our um, radar for a long time. And, you know, now it is just exponentially Yep. more important. Mm-hmm. Um, the social isolation um, is so detrimental to mental health. And so, you know, we really are reminding people to um, call, check on your friends, you know, telephones still work. You can still, mm-hmm. you know, call your friends, your loved ones, the older adults, you know, check on them. Just a friendly voice. Doesn't have to be a long phone call. Um and uh, it ha- and then finding ways of maybe non-traditional communication. Um, we've been working mm-hmm. um, like uh, I I know that um, you know some of the congregate meal sites no longer can do that, so they're doing brown bags and they're putting information on slips of paper in the brown bag mm, about yeah. resources, right? Um, you know, you think of things that people get um, on a regular basis, you know, utility bill, or, you know, there yeah. are ways that you can teach, <laughs> like, mm-hmm, We're using there are, all of them. there you go. <laughs> there are ways that, you know, you can use um, existing communication to get the information out there. Um, one thing that um, AARP has done on um, a national level is we've uh, started a friendly voices program. And this is, we have um, volunteers that have volunteered to just, it's the phone call. 
It's like, I would mm-hmm. really like to um, receive a phone call from someone just to call me just to check in. And so people can call and I'll give the 800 or the toll-free number. Um, if someone really wants to speak with someone and just needs that kind of human connection, the number is 888-281-0145. And uh, you can call that number. You can say, this is where I live. This is when I'm available. And we have a plethora of volunteers that have stepped up from our volunteer workforce and our staff members that will call back and just chat um, with, with, with people. Um, another place where uh, we've really seen some uh, struggles in a situation that's already challenging is family caregivers. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the resources that are available to them. Um, so um, AARP also has a caregiver resource phone line. Um, and there's an English and a Spanish number. Um, and it's available from 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, Pacific time. The English number is 877 333 Five eight eight five, and the Spanish language is eight 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 nine seven one two zero one three. We've done a lot of teletown halls. We actually did one um, just a couple of weeks ago with uh, Tacoma Mayor Woodard and uh, Nigel Turner with the uh, um, communicable communicable diseases. That's a hard word right. to say, uh, but Tacoma, Pierce County. Um, and people are still, you know, they're still having lots of, um, lots of questions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, those abilities, like for us, we have, of course, a list of members. And so we can pull who our membership is in Pierce County and for um, the available phone records that we can, we can call and you know it's like it's just kind of like that it's like this podcast it's uh you know it's like a radio talk show we have guests Mm -hmm. on and our members can ask uh questions so those are some things that um can be uh, of service to help people out Mm -hmm. right now our Mm -hmm. our increasing our um virtual meetings, I think, and we have, we make it so that you can do it by web or you can just call in and listen. Um, And I think that has really eased some people's, the pressure people feel like I need Mm -hmm. to know what's going on, but I'm afraid Mm -hmm. to go. I mean, we, we have really, um, very quickly, um, and and for the city, I, I, people don't know how how slow sometimes it is to to make those type of changes. Like very quickly, we were able to um, make those things available, and I think we're learning things about people's participation that will probably it will they will inform us beyond mm-hmm. this. Like what, even when we go back to you know whatever is after this, because I, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think it's going to be normal. Um, but no. whatever the next the next phase of this is going to be we're still going to learn, you know, take the lessons that we learned about accessibility that allow people to still participate, even if they can't physically get there. And if you can still be a part of a council meeting without having to get on a bus and walk downtown and all that, that's great if we can Mm -hmm. make it so that you can still have that full experience of participation. And I think that's one of the things we want to make sure that we're paying attention to and learning from as we go through this. Definitely. Well, uh, before we um, wrap up, Tell me sort of like a couple of things you would like to see for the future, you know, now that you've sort of have 
Um, you know, we have our current situation sort of inform us and, and I will start. So the things I would love to see is if someone would come up with the brilliant idea of how to incentivize um, some small businesses to go into the traditional neighborhood centers that we used to have in Tacoma. So I live over by Westgate. I'm very lucky. I've got my dentist, a grocery store, uh, a clinic and doctor's offices and bus lines within walking distance of my house. Um, we used to have that throughout the city. You know, uh, if you go to the Fern Hill neighborhood in, uh, in East Tacoma down 84th and Park, you know, they've got a little hub there, but they don't have, you know, like a, um, they don't have a, a, a little grocery store and they don't have a pharmacy there. Um, so we really need, you know, those are sort of the, the things that people need nearby. And I would love to see a program that could incentivize those going into these different neighborhoods. Um, the other thing I would love to see, uh, especially with the challenges we've had in, um, you know, keeping kids on some kind of a lesson plan during the pandemic, I would love to see, and the communication issues that we've talked about, I would love to see the city do some kind of broadband Wi-Fi hubs or something that could really cover the city. And I, and to me, I think the place, the things that we do have across the city are schools. So if we could have our schools, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, be those hubs and maybe uh, hubs for communities too. The senior center should go into the school, not be separate, you know, bring it together so that we have the eight-year-old and the 80-year-old benefiting from these things together. That's what I would like to see in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, Tanisha, what about you? If you could find a couple of things that you'd say, okay, well now I'm really serious. I, and really for me, I'll tell you that internet connectivity. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. That is like now a very high priority. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that, that it's in my, my purview in terms of a uh, city net and, um, and then the TV station. And, and mm -hmm. I think really trying to figure out how do we start to have the conversation about internet as a utility versus internet as just a, a thing you add on to your, your mm -hmm. cable bill. Um, right. and, and that's a bigger conversation than the, the city of Tacoma, but we need to start figuring out how to advocate for that nationally um, because mm -hmm. now we've seen how important it is. I think um, if I had a, a couple of things, so there's some really interesting um, spaces um, in other parts of the country where they've done a really good job of that integration between mm. the eight and the 80 and like these really interesting buildings where there's like a, a, a senior facility or an adult daycare and, and a, a school and there's intergenerational learning and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see something like that. That's not necessarily with my city hat, but just in all the work I've done, you know, throughout my career, that's just something I think would be amazing for a, yeah. a community like Tacoma. Um, I would also really like to see um, an elevation of partnership where people aren't necessarily just waiting for the city to figure it out, but to really like mm. come with I've got this space and this could happen in this space and then figuring mm -hmm. out how to make that happen together. Because I think these are really, really urgent issues that um, if we wait on the city to have the, the budget to do these right. things, they might never happen. And so I think these like really innovative partnerships about how do we create these spaces where everyone can thrive? Is kids mm -hmm. are going to do better if they're around older people the same way older people yeah. are going to do if they're around kids. And young families need the support of 
the community around them to really thrive in the way everybody's having to work so much more, so many more mm-hmm. hours, you know, it's everything's just go, 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 go. And I think if we didn't learn anything from this pandemic, we should have learned that, you know, maybe slowing down a little bit, reconnecting with our families and our neighbors is a good thing. It's worthy of the time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess I hope that we keep that part of this. The rest of it can go. But, this, right. you know, they keep the part where we're connected as community and thinking about how to keep mm-hmm. those connections long term. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Christina, what about you? Yeah. What would be your sort of, you know, things to look forward to and hope for? Um, well, one thing that we've really been advocating for right now that I'd like to see continue is um, alternative ways for uh, loved ones and family members to stay in touch with people who are in assisted living or mm. uh, nursing homes. You know, that's been um, a huge issue uh, right now with, you know, guests can't come in and, you know, people are visiting through uh, windows window. and, right, mm. you know, and so, you know, people, like people are creative where there's a will, there's a way. Um, but really, uh, you know, there's been a lot of conversation within these type of facilities about, you know, having some extra technology, um, you know, people mm-hmm. could Skype or, or something like that. So I would love, I would love to, to see those kinds of um, kind of reactionary plans to what's going mm-hmm. on right now really become cemented um, in the way they carry out their business. Another thing that, um, always lifts my heart and it was was that Mr. Rogers is, you know, always look for the helpers. So, you know, um, there are so many people that are stepping up and volunteering right now um, to fill the gaps and, and as much as they can make sure people can get at to what, get what they need and, and access. And, um, you know, over the last decade or so, our volunteers, volunteerism levels have gone down um, pretty much just kind of all across the, the board. People just don't volunteer like they used to. Um, and so I'm really hopeful that people see the value of, of volunteering and the value of being a recipient of what volunteers can do and that we can really kind of keep that community connection uh, going and that that people will see a real value um, in lending the support because you know jurisdictions can do only so much and so communities need to to step up and be part of the solution as well so I really hope that that continues forward I hope so too well that's gonna bring us to an end on I guess we'll say a whole end of all the downtown on the go Friday forums yep. we've now wrapped up and um, it'll be very interesting to see where we go with this next but I think this has been a really good discussion and I, I certainly look forward to talking with you both in the future about how things are changing we'd love to do that thank you so right. much thank you good. good well I should do one final shout out again to the downtown on the go Friday forum sponsors Downtown on the Go wants to once again thank Parametrics for sponsoring this forum, Tacoma Arts Live for supporting the forums in 2020, and Channel 253 for being this year's media sponsor. So, for Crossing Division, May 4, 2020, that's it for us. Thank you. 
Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.